This is Anne of Annotations, and welcome to the Highlighter Podcast. I'm Anne of Annotations, and this is the Highlighter Podcast, where we tell the stories behind the statistics. This month, we are focusing on reading and specifically how it is taught and not taught. The John Corcoran Foundation reports that 43 million adults in America read at an elementary level or below. Today, we have a fascinating story behind that statistic, and the man behind that foundation, John Corcoran, is now an author, CEO, and literacy education advocate who's been on shows like CNN and Oprah. Hello, my dream. But we're going to focus on what came before that, how he became a college-educated high school teacher without learning how to read. John Corcoran, thank you for being on the Highlighter Podcast. Thank you for having me. So I really want to take it all the way back. I'm curious, do you have memories of trying to learn how to read? Very clear. Tell me about those. Well, uh, I would say because I've written uh, about it, and uh, as I learned to read at the age of 48, and I've, I've been a literate person for a developing literate person for about 30 years now. And I've written and thought a lot about it. And I, I uh, was from, came from a loving home. And my, I think my story is pretty typical of a, a lot of adults that uh, end up graduating from high school and, and uh, are reading at the elementary level. Uh, I was told by my loving parents that I was a, a winner for the first six years of my life. And I went off to school to learn to read with high hopes, like most children uh, do. And uh, and the first year in school was fine, no problems. Uh, and uh, But there were no demands uh, either in terms of the language. And probably if I went to school today, I would be labeled learning disabled. And... Uh, I ended up in the in the second grade in the dumb row, and uh, in the third grade I was in the dumb row, and the teachers uh, told my parents that uh, I was a smart boy and I would be able to get reading, like some some magic would come, and uh, it never did come, and I was just uh, uh, social promotion uh, was alive and well. And um, I was passed on without the basic skills. And the first, first uh, uh, couple of years, uh, first three years in school, you, you go to school to learn to read. And then the rest of your, your formal education, you read to learn. And there's really no way you can survive or succeed or be that winner that my parents told me I was without those basic reading skills. Uh, so by the time I got to the fourth grade, I was still a non-reader, and uh, the dumb road disappeared. I was in another school, more progressive school, and we just had bluebirds and redbirds, and uh, <laughs> but it all amounted to the same thing. Uh, yeah. Uh, and uh, and by the time I got to the fifth grade, I had uh, basically given up on myself, uh, and I bought into a big lie that something was wrong with my brain and I couldn't learn to read. And I gave up on this. I gave up on my teachers also. And I gave up on the system basically. 
And mm -hmm. this is in retrospect, of course, I didn't have that. I wasn't able to analyze that as a fifth grader, but I started uh, uh, misbehaving, class clown, disrupting my education and disrupting the uh, other people's education, certainly frustrating the teacher. Uh, so I, I uh, was uh, in the seventh grade. I spent most of my my uh, time in the principal's office or sitting on the bench outside of his uh, uh, office. Uh, so my reading problem became a behavioral problem, and uh, and when my parents were went to school to um, have a teacher conference, they didn't talk about my reading problem anymore. It was a behavioral problem and really thought I needed some psychological help or uh, some, some other issues. And, uh, and most of my behavioral problems were inside the classroom. They were, were not at home. Um, and uh, so I, by the time I got to eighth grade, uh, the, the classroom was pretty much of a battlefield for me. And, uh, um, and it was a behavior problem. I got to the eighth grade and I was tired of embarrassing myself and tired of embarrassing my, my family, my sisters that were in school. And I had some athletic skills. I, I, could, I could count money and make change before I went to school. I had math skills. I learned my timetables on time. Uh, I, had some, I had some social skills. Um, outside of the outside of the classroom, but I was very disruptive, and, and I'm describing uh, a million and so many students in America today. Absolutely, uh, in fact, <laughs> I yeah, I've taught them, and I've seen that. Yes. And people often say these are lazy students or these are misbehaving students, but actually, hiding that you can't read shows a lot of skill and takes a lot of focus. And I'm curious what other coping strategies you've used, because I hear you talking about misbehaving. Were there others you tried? Well, by the time I got to the eighth grade, like I said, I, I, I had athletic skills and I wanted to be able to participate in athletics in high school. So I, I decided I want, besides embarrassed, I'm just, I was just tired of it. Uh, yeah. I, I was take, I was getting the short stick of all of those things. And I, you know, I missed school in the seventh grade. I was absent from school for 30 days and nobody even knew I wasn't going to school. Uh, and I think, I think the school was relieved to have a little break from me. And, uh, mm -hmm. I, I did, uh, I, I, I spit on the teacher's backside. I, I was smart enough to, to, to not to do it where she knew I spit on her, but I knew I spit on her. And, and I really, I really love school, love the idea of school. And I was always taught uh, and believed to this day that, you know, education is good. And, uh, and, and in those days, as, as today, uh, we promote uh, uh, a high school to, diploma or a college degree uh, gets you a better job and a better life. Uh, so all of those things were driving me to stay in school. Um, when I got to the, the high school, I just started, uh, my behavior started, I flipped and I was going, I knew how to uh, get through the system. I could read the system. Um, I behaved myself. I, I guess, I don't know what the term is today, but it was a uh, uh, try to be a teacher's pet, work uh, uh, teachers. And like I said, if you behave yourself, they're going to cut you some slack. I started cheating. I never cheated up until the, 
till I got to high school. Uh, and I never turned in anything. I couldn't write a sentence. Uh, and, uh, and, and I, I, one of the things that I did do in terms of my survival, I never was angry at, uh, at smart people. I wasn't jealous or envious of them. I liked them and I hung around with them. I, I dated the valedictorian my senior mm -hmm. year and uh, the students in high school were really, uh, really my library. You know, they, they were my books and I got information from them and they, they certainly helped me uh, with uh, cheating. And when I say in, in high school, you don't have to cheat too hard. It's not too difficult. <laughs> do your work for you or or you can look over somebody's shoulder or or actually pass the test over to them and they'll fill in the answers those were sort of it became a little bit more complicated when i i graduated from high school and i i'm i i'm i was just one of millions of kids that graduated from high school and we're still graduating kids that, that aren't prepared they don't have the basic skills uh of reading and writing, uh, going off to the universities. And we also have universities right now that aren't even going to, doing, going to, well, we got about 40, 50% of the kids that are, are graduate from our high schools that are going to the universities. Uh, they're not really ready for the universities in terms of reading and writing. And I, I think that uh, it's, you cannot, you cannot pass possibly I couldn't please my teachers because I couldn't read and I couldn't write. I couldn't succeed no matter how smart or clever I was or anybody is. You can't, you can't do it. It's impossible. I'm curious as to what you told yourself about why you couldn't read because it seems like you had people say, you'll get there, it's going to happen. What did you think inside about why you weren't able to read? Yeah, I, and I've asked that question, you know, for many years, and I certainly was traumatized. And and I'm saying in a in a subconscious or super subconscious level, I survived because my parents. I was fortunate enough, enough to have parents that loved me and supported me and believed in me. And I just, you know, I was in an environment that was really hostile to that that belief. My my teachers didn't get it. They didn't know what my parents thought. And I think in my little brain, when I was a child, I just kind of, I preserved that little, uh, that nugget. And, and no matter what they say or what they do to me, I'm, I'm what my parents said I was. I, I'm a winner. I just, I'm just playing in the wrong place here and I don't have the tools. Mm. And, and that's all speculation. You know, it's just, sure. those are some of the things that, that, but I do believe that that we carry the shame and we carry the blame, and and uh, that is uh, that's devastating, you know, to feel that way and to think that mo for the most part I said something's wrong with it, my brain, and I bought into that. I bought into that lie, and even today, I, and I'm thinking about uh, uh, if I went to school that I'd be labeled learning disabled. Why? Why do we continue to use that term, learning disabled? I mean, if you, if if a teacher has in their mind and in their off their tongue that John John Corkin's learning disabled, why are you going to bother with him? He's not <laughs> able to learn, uh, and and uh, uh, so 
in in my survival, um, because my parents sent me off to school, and I did believe, and I I believe that. Uh, I wanted to get an education. And when I got to college, all I wanted to do is get the piece of paper. Uh, that would be that would be my certification, you know. And uh, I can remember as a child praying uh, uh, at night, you know, eight years old, saying, please, God, tomorrow, when it's my turn to read, oh. let, let me read. And... Uh, and and some nights I would get up out of my bed and turn on the light and get a book and see if I got that sap or miracle, <laughs> that pain. And I don't think that the literate world uh, really understands the trauma of not knowing how to read. And uh, you know we've had we've had those bluebirds and those redbirds and now we have jailbirds. And most of those people that we've locked up in prison have deficiencies in basic skills. And and if you can't read, you really are a second class citizen. And the first poem that I wrote, uh, and I called it the Native Alien, because I was an all American boy. I was loved, and I went off to school, but I was an outsider. And uh, I would rather be I would rather be alone than to be with some of the people that were in that dumb row. Uh, and so you isolate yourself from it and for your own survival, you know, and, and again, retrospect, I'm analyzing myself. Why did sure. I do the other thing is why did I become a teacher? I graduated. From- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It seems like you experienced all this pain and this shame and that you would try to get as far as you could from the classroom. And yet you go to college and you become a teacher. How did that even happen? Well, it, circumstances really, you know, everybody has a life story and, and uh, uh, everybody ends up doing things that you like, you can look back at how could I, I went to school because I had an athletic scholarship and uh, I, I, but I also had this other driving force that I was going, I wanted to, I, I still wanted, I still said my prayers, you know, and I still hope by osmosis that I would get it. Something was going to happen. And of course I was trapped because as I got older, I had to guard my secret. I never told anybody that I couldn't read. I wouldn't trust anybody with that secret. It was shameful, embarrassing. And they would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be in at the university level if I asked anybody for help. Often people ask, why didn't you ask for help? Well, you know what? Children, do not have to ask adults for help specifically. Uh, you know, when I'm eight years old, I don't even know what the problem is. What's the question? Uh, and so, and then when you get it, when I got into elementary or middle school, I was so angry, confused, and frustrated, like most teenagers, even the literate ones get a little confused. And so I really couldn't answer. I couldn't ask for help there, and when I already believed that nobody was going to help me anyway. Uh, and then when I got to high school, I just knew that I, I needed to keep the secret. I went underground basically with my experience, and I didn't see uh, I didn't see anybody that was going to help me there. As a matter of fact, uh, if you talk to a high school teacher, they don't they don't high school teachers don't think they should teach. There's to read. Yes. It was true when I was in school, and it's true today. And yeah. uh, um, we have a lot of high school 
you know, you, you're in the classroom. You know what levels those kids read at. And how can they pass a test if they can't read the, the textbook? So let's talk about that. Let's assume that there are high school teachers out there that actually don't know how to tell when a student can't read, especially high school teachers. They're teaching their content and they miss it. What are the signs that they missed? What are the signs that were missed with you? I, I would say all you have to do is look at your uh, look at your discipline problems. The majority of them, you know, have deficiencies and can't really do what the teacher. I wanted to do what the teacher said, uh, but I couldn't do it. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. and it what and like you you had you had mentioned, you know, we were we were told, well, we're immature, uh, we don't care. Uh, we're lazy. We don't try hard enough. I mean, that's still going on today. And and going back to to uh, the teacher teacher in a in a way the way I I look at it is that high school teachers say it's not my job, and so they blame the middle school teacher, and the middle school teacher blames the elementary school teacher, and the elementary school teacher blames the the system or blames the parent, and that's. Yep. That's the blame that goes around. And it's really, for us, there is a solution. You know, we can't, there's science now. There is, we can teach little boys and little girls like me uh, to read. And we can teach everybody to read. Anybody that can talk, we can teach them to read. There's science there that we didn't have. We know a lot more about the brain today than we did, you know, even 20 years ago. And uh, so the hope is, the good news is that there is a solution. But the key, one of the things to break the, to try to break this cycle of failure uh, in the school place is that we need to really stop blaming teachers, but we really need to train them. And, and the universities have failed to teach teachers how to teach reading. And, and so it's, it's, you know, when we look at this thing, the universities are re- as responsible as a second grade teacher. They have not been training and they, they haven't done it. They're not doing it right now. Uh, and, and part of the, the part of it, as I said, you know, I kept my embarrassing secret, a secret. And, and I think uh, teachers do the same thing. And educators, this is pretty, it's a pretty, it's a national disgrace and a national dis, you know, it's a national thing. And, and a country that can send a, uh, a rocket to Mars and send pictures back are not even teaching their children to read. And some other things I feel like the adults, the high school kids, when I speak of adults, they, uh, uh, it, it, it's proper instruction that they need. They need direct instruction. And uh, I think it's as important in America today, because I'm one of them, uh, adults we need to focus on adults as much as we do children. It's as important to teach an adult how to read as it is to teach a child to read, mm-hmm. which translates into, uh, you know, all teachers that, that 12 years of, uh, from the first to the 12th grade, they, this, the schools need to be prepared to teach those kids before they get out of high school. And it's reasonable to expect uh, a school system to, uh, to teach Within a 12-year period, you got you got us for 12 years. Figure it out, you know. And we are able. We are able with the proper instructions. And teachers are able, too. 
So before I returned to the classroom, I was a literacy specialist at my school, and I saw students who were reading at an elementary school level, and teachers were able to recognize that they needed help, but they didn't know what to do, so they came to me, they got one-on-one tutoring, and that helped. But I'm curious, do you think that students that read at such a lower level than their age can only get better with one-on-one help, or are there things that teachers can do? Because we don't have a lot of times. I would, I would like to invite people to go to my website. It talks about uh, uh, a, a program, uh, evidence-based literacy, and learn a little bit more about that. And, uh, but I, I think the, one of the things that I have, I have done as an advocate, and I, I was, uh, after I learned to read at the age of 48, a 65-year-old volunteer tutor was at the public library, was the one that got me going and got me probably about the sixth grade level, guessing a lot. Uh, I really didn't. Uh, she, was a, she was a person who thought uh, uh, everybody should go through life knowing how to read, and nobody should go through life without knowing how to read. And, and, she, brought, and she was a bright woman, uh, and she helped me get to about the sixth grade level. I thought I died and went to heaven. I didn't think that would ever, could ever happen. But it also, in my appetite, I had an appetite to learn more. And I ended up in, uh, in San Luis Obispo with Pat Lindemood. And, and I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Pat Lindemood, but um, uh, she took me from the, I, it was the first time I had any diagnostic test. And, uh, and so we identified a severe auditory discrimination problem. And, and that was attacked. Uh, and, and I went from the, in a hundred hours, I went from the uh, uh, second grade uh, word attack skills to the twelfth grade level. So Oof. it uh, it exploded, and I, you know, and I told Pat, I said, "We've got to go tell the world. You've got magic here. It works. It works." Mm. And and she was saying that no, we're not too fast because um, we for the policymakers we have to have the research. So now we do have the research that validates what I knew because I experienced it and uh, I didn't. And, and I was really, I was really guarded about, you know, just maybe it was a miracle and a freak accident that I learned, you know, but it was, it's not. And I've learned a lot more about the science of it. And, uh, and we do, you know, we do know how to, to teach children to read and we know how to teach adults to read the problem is the gap between what we know and what we do and that's the gap where the universities have to help fill and uh, uh, there's um, so uh, you know in being not wanting to tell my story and my tutors and the program that I came out of they were anxious for me to share my personal story because it would motivate people and and motivate uh, uh, to adults uh, to um, give it another try. And we've tried, uh, you know, like I've tried a thousand times and, and people ask me, why did it, why, why did it take you so long? And why did you, why did you finally go? What motivated you? Well, I was motivated almost all my life. I just didn't know <laughs> where to go. I didn't know there was nobody out there. Uh, and there was no hotline to say, hey, hey, I can't read. Will you help me? 
And uh, so the circumstances was I went to that volunteer and then I went to, I had my diagnostic test. I wouldn't let anybody test me after about the seventh grade. I refused. I would never, they, they just couldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't allow anybody to test me. Uh, and uh, when I did allow, it helped a lot. Um, I don't know if I'm, I'm, I'm uh, drifting here. I want to <laughs> kind of stay focused with you, the question is how do you identify them? One of the, the one of the ways I, I believe we have some diagnostic tools right now that identify uh, children early, and and we uh, the the problem again is that gap between what we know and what we do. Right. So, can you give us a glimpse of Ebley? Because I want to know what can we do. Is it just one on one that works, or what are the things that teachers can do? Yeah, I don't. I don't think that. Uh, I don't think they all need one to one. I mean, I've witnessed uh, 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 evidence based uh, literacy uh, programs, and I I know they can teach them. In, uh, and you're going to if you visit uh, them and li- visit uh, Nora uh, Nora's uh, uh, project or program, you're going to. Uh, it's like I have a hard time trying to explain to you what I have witnessed, you know, and I have never in, in 25 years, I never endorsed anything. I, I brag about my tutor and I'll always be beholden to my, my, uh, my tutor who wasn't, who wasn't trained and we didn't have much science in, in that experience. Uh, and Pat Lindemood and, and her work, but I, now I just see that, my focus right now is to, to, I guess my rhetoric is to don't blame teachers, train mm-hmm. them, and then, mm. that this has to be a this has to be a community based uh, uh, initiative. Uh, it has to be uh, it has to be district wide, and uh, it has to really be when you said when you I, I I've had teachers that I spoke to in the classroom and said, now, John, how do we identify, what do I do with these, the, these little Johnnies out there that I know that they're, they're out there. And she identified that teachers identify them. And I said, this is what you have to do. You have to, you really have to convince them that you will teach them to read. You know how to teach them to read. And, and if they give, give, you'll give. And, and I don't think teachers can really say, I know how to teach mm-hmm. uh, children to read. I think especially in high school. Yeah. And, and, and they're tough. I mean, it's t- obviously tougher to, to uh, deal with a kid like me uh, in high school. I mean, we're not just, just going to uh, deal with that. I mean, uh, so I, I really think that I think. I think the solution right now is really about uh, a culture that has to quit blaming teachers and quit blaming schools and and include the universities. The universities need to have their feet to the fire and read the the research. And they're they're stuck in doing the same old thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I agree. I think there definitely needs to be more teacher training, not just for early elementary or elementary, but all teachers should know how to teach reading and should be able to not just assign reading, which is not teaching reading, but actually help the students learn how to read what they are assigned. 
we're singing the same song. I, I this this will sound like a commercial because it is. <laughs> I've I've read That's... I've written my third book, The Reading Gap, and it really answers the questions uh, much more articulately than than what I'm I'm uh, verbalizing right now. So I would encourage you to to uh, uh, read that, and it will and it will help answer that question. Uh, of what do we do next? Yes, and in addition to The Reading Gap, your first book from 2008 called The Teacher Who Couldn't Read, I can go ahead and say that it's available at the San Francisco Public Library. So that's one that you can grab as well. John, thank you so much for talking to me today. I really appreciate it. I hope we get a chance to talk again. Listeners, if you want to learn more, you can head on over to johncorkinfoundation.org or check out his latest book, The Reading Gap. You can also, of course, share your story. Do you have stories of not knowing what to do with a child or student who doesn't like to read or doesn't know how to read? Uh, was that you? How did it happen for you? Share your stories with us. Call 415-886-7475. Happy reading and happy listening. Have a good week, everybody. Mm-hmm.